Bible? Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean it to go from music to awkward silence that fast, but uh, morning everybody, I'm Joe and glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we're starting a brand new series called The Blessed Life. How many of you would love to have a life that is blessed? You're like, no, I don't want that. Um, that sounds terrible. I don't even know what it's about, but I'm sure it's disgusting. But um, so uh, we love to share. I, I don't. There's a great verse in the Bible that says there's nothing new under the sun, which means whatever's happened has happened somewhere else before. Um, and uh, while my thought might feel original, somebody probably has had that thought somewhere, somehow, sometime. So. We have no problem with borrowing from great people who have great thoughts and because it's there is nothing in it that's completely original. And then saying, Jesus, what do you want to say through me as this is inspiring it some? So um, our series, The Blessed Life, Pastor Robert Morris in Texas uh, wrote this book a handful of years ago. Um, it's really, really good. And it really focuses on lots of other things. A lot of people go, this is going to be like five weeks about giving, right? No. In fact, Pastor Robert has somebody ask him, he goes, you, do you, how often do you talk about giving? He goes, every week. We talk about giving forgiveness. We talk about giving love. We talk about giving grace to other people. We talk about giving generosity. Uh, we talk about giving selflessly. We talk about serving others. We talk about giving in so many different ways. But you were probably asking about giving money. He goes, yeah, we don't talk about that nearly as much as you might think. So in this series, uh, we, will, we will cover that because Jesus covered that. Are you guys okay with that? Can we handle the fact that Jesus talked about our wallets? He did. He talked about it actually quite a bit because um, there's a great verse that says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And sometimes our treasure is actually attached to our wallet. And he goes, yeah, I want I want your heart. And that's what we're going to talk about today, that it's all about the heart. That everything that God is doing in us and through us and his connection related to us is about our heart, not about our dollar. And not about X, Y, and Z and fill in the blank. That he desperately wants to connect to our hearts. Yes, our hearts. Yes. We've got the team in the back going, let's get the heart symbol going. Most people think of their lives and look at other people's lives, and they go, man, they're doing so good. I'm not. Um, um. But when it's their own life, they go, that was because I worked really hard, or I did such a great job. Or they go, I was just lucky. It must have just been luck. Whether it's uh, fortunes or... Um, fortune cookies or horseshoes or four-leaf clovers or rabbit's feet, the luck of the draw, it all boils down to us believing that others are where we want to be because of luck sometimes. I've even heard it said it's better to be lucky than good. Better to be lucky than good. But it, everybody wants to be lucky. In fact, our country allows for things like... Um, the lottery, you don't find it much in Utah. They don't do lotteries. I was just in Southern California this week. Um, it's amazing how the poorest areas spend the most money on lotteries. 
because the desire to change your fortune and to change your luck, if I only had a few dollars and maybe I'll get lucky, maybe my life will be different. The problem with it is it, it disproportionately affects people who actually need to be blessed more than others, maybe, or at least equally. And in the moments of our greatest desperation or our greatest challenge, oftentimes we turn to luck instead of turning to God. He would say, if you would just turn to me as you're desperate, even when you're not desperate, he goes, I can help you so much more than luck can. You and I were made for more than luck. You and I were made for more than just wishing things would work out good. But in fact, God has created us and guaranteed us the opportunity to live a blessed life. A blessed life might look different to some people, but we're going to talk about it today. Why bank on chance when you can have a guaranteed? If you could have a sure winner, everybody's for that, right? But like if you could guarantee you never lose money in the stock market and you only see the good part, everybody's signing up for that, right? You ever heard an ad? It's like, you'll never lose money if you give us all of yours, and we'll make sure you only get the good side of it, not the bad side. I was like, well, who gets the bad side? I don't know. Somebody is. This morning, we're beginning a series called The Blessed Life, and we're going to talk about that we're blessed to be a blessing. See, the problem when you talk about people say, oh, you're blessed and all those things, is it sometimes still so focuses on us. And, and God's desire to bless his children has nothing to do with just his heart to bless his kids, which everybody was, but it's the purpose for why they were created. And why they're blessed, it's to be a blessing. So we're going to look really first, really simply, uh, at Genesis chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, if not, you can follow along right on the screens. Uh, Genesis 12, it says, now God is talking to Abram. Abram is somebody who obeyed him, went to Nowheresville, and uh, God said, now watch what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. This is a guy with no kids. I'm going to bless you. He says, I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Do you know how much, how often... God spent time there talking about all the cool stuff that Abram would have? No, he's like, I'm going to bless you. And then immediately he goes to, you're going to bless other people. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. It's a very simple equation. He goes, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. In fact, I'm going to bless you so much that you'll have an opportunity to bless more people than you could even imagine. We're going to talk about generosity throughout this series because God talks about it. Being generous with our time, being generous with our capacity to forgive others, to love others, to be accepting of others, to care about other people, to be able to bless people in such a way that we're able to serve others. All of those things fit in with generosity because it's very easy to try to live a blessed life, but I'm all about blessing Joe. I'm all about blessing me and making myself great, making mine. He goes, I'll take care of all the stuff for you. 
your job is to help bless others. At Crossroads, our one main thing is love God and love others. God loves us so much that we choose to love others. That's how we respond. God wants to do a work in our hearts. If you will join me this next five weeks, I promise you that God will stretch your heart like he's stretching my heart. He helps find those, I don't know if at your house you ever find any dust or cobwebs or little things that were hiding somewhere that you're like, I can't believe I found that. Or maybe you're like, I can totally believe I found that. Sometimes when you allow your heart to be exposed, God can help clean out those places that haven't been cleaned out. And he can help refresh us and clean us throughout. Let's look in, um, we're going to look at a couple verses here. Uh, we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Today we're going to start with a little bit of sowing and reaping. This is a thing, I, I grew up in Nebraska. I wasn't a farmer, but there are lots of farms near us. My mom and dad can attest. My mom spent quite a few years growing up on a farm, Kendra's family farm. Uh, what you put in the ground is eventually going to grow, right? Maybe at your house you have plants. Some of us love plants. You put something in that soil and you do the right things with it, something is eventually going to grow out of it. And it's proportional to what you put in. If you put in three seeds, you'll probably get about three plants. In our life, as we choose to live generously, he says, watch how your life will be affected by your choices. In 2 Corinthians, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. This is just basic math. He goes, if you drop two pieces of corn, you're barely going to get any corn out of it. He goes, that's just how it grows. That's just how it works. And he goes, whoever sows generously will reap generously. If you scatter your seed throughout that field, it's going to be filled with corn or whatever. And it says, and this is talking about giving. And I want to say it does not focus on dollars. We're going to talk about giving in a blanket sense today, and you're going to see even more. It says, whatever you choose to give, give what you've decided in your heart. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That means more than what you gave. So that in all things, at all time, having all you need, you'll be able to abound in every good work. How many of you would love to be able to be forgiven so deeply because you chose to forgive others? He goes, I'm going to forgive you more than you can even understand at the points where you're like, you couldn't possibly choose to forgive me now. I knew the right thing to do and I still met. He goes, no, I choose to forgive you. I choose to love you. I choose because I care so deeply about you. But it's tied to what we do. So I want to show you a couple verses. These ones... I've grown up in church. I don't know if, if any of you grew up in church, but these verses are used and oftentimes misused, even though in a blanket sense they still work. But if you look in Matthew chapter 7, it says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Like what you sow, you reap, right? The way you treat others you'll find that that's going to come back towards you. The way you want to you wanna judge other people, sometimes we're really good at judging other people. We're like, they're messed up, and he, let me tell you why. 
and let me form a committee of people. We should all talk about it. We should air their dirty laundry because they've got issues. How many of us want a whole committee following us with a microscope and going, here's all Joe's problems? I don't. I already know I'm filled with problems. I'm doing my best to help him work it out in me. I don't need a lot of people on the sidelines going, boo, you're the worst. I go, I know. I'm asking him to make me good. It's not me that's good. It's him in us. So he says, the more you judge others, hey, guy, it's coming back to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You want to scoop a big sense of judgment on somebody? He goes, well, you're going to get a big pile back. Nowhere in this does it say money at all. What measure you use, it will be measured back to you. If you read it again, it says, do not judge, you'll be judged. In the same way you judge, you'll be judged. It's talking about judging in this one. And he says the same proportions you use, and it's all tied into this sowing and reaping concept. If you go, did you know that there's four, four books at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they tell a lot of the same stories Several different guys who were like, I was there, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Luke writes the same thing down. He writes, he was a doctor, so he takes better notes. He does. So some of his stuff is longer. So if you go to the book of Luke in chapter 6, he says, do not judge or you'll be judged. So same thing, right? They were in the same spot. They were both paying attention. And then he adds some more. He he. Matthew started with judge. He's like, that's good. I get the other stuff. He could have put et cetera, et cetera. But he goes, do not judge or you'll be judged, Luke wrote down. He says, do not condemn or you'll be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be used to you. That sounds like the same thing with a lot more in the middle, right? Do not judge. The same measure you use will be used to you. Here he goes, let me give you some examples. Just use your hand. He goes, do not judge. Do not condemn. If you forgive other people, if you give to other people, this is how it works. He says, God's going to give it back to you. Now, what do you want? He says, do you want the good stuff? Because if you want the good stuff, give the good stuff. Because it will come back to you. A good measure. Have you ever tried to pack stuff up and you're trying to get more stuff in it? How about leaves? Anybody hate leaves? We hate leaves at my house because we feel like we live in a forest. There's so many stinking trees in the backyard. And when leaf time comes around, you just want to press them down and put more in it, right? You're like, I could have a thousand bags if I don't squash these. We got kids jumping on it to try to get more in there, cram more in it. He goes, I want to push it down so more fits in there so that I can give you more. But what do you want me to give you? Do you want me to give you forgiveness? Do you want me to give you kindness? Do you want me to give you love? Do you want me to give you, what are the things that you're giving others? That's what I'm going to give you. I love having choices. How many of you love having choices? I like when I go to the restaurant and go, I'll have a ribeye. They bring me a ribeye. And I say, cook it like this. They cook it like this because I chose that. I love that here God's saying, you can choose how your life goes. You can choose if you want to be blessed or not. It's not up here. It's not like, this is what I would really like. It's the way that we treat others. 
what you choose to sow is what is coming out. If I want a life full of ribeyes, I got to treat others ribeye-like. I'll get off of the ribeye thing because I'm getting hungry now. It's pretty simple. You'll always grow what you sow. If you walk around being critical and criticizing people or being sarcastic, you walk around where there is nobody who can get close to you in your life, nobody will ever be close to you. Mission accomplished. Nobody will be close enough to understand that it hurts. And they won't be there to help you when you need it most. Or we can make fun of everybody so much that the attention is on them that nobody pays attention to us. Is that actually what we want? I don't think so. What we sow is what we'll reap. What we plant is going to grow. And Galatians tells us, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. I love our team here at Syracuse. It is not based about how many of these seats are filled every day. It is about how we love people out there, how we're reaching out. And more and more people will come to know Jesus, and eventually that will fill seats here. It's not about attendance. It's about life change. God, change my life that I might be able to help others have their life changed. He's responsible for the harvest. He's responsible for doing all those things in people's life. I'm responsible for doing my part. Proverbs 11 gives this one. It says, hey, if you're not sure, it works both ways. It says, a wicked person earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. So if you want to be dishonest, you're going to find, you find a lot of dishonesty going on around you. People will be dishonest with you. Because what you sow, you reap. If you're trustworthy, you'll find that a lot of people come around you who are trustworthy as well. You can trust on them and depend on them and count on them because you're that way. People are attracted to the things that they like and they want to be like. Pretty simple. You're always going to grow what you sow. Pastor Robert gave four quick things in looking through Deuteronomy 15. We're going to spend a few minutes looking at this passage that talks about how we view others and how God works on our hearts. So it's in Deuteronomy chapter 15. We're going to read several verses here. So it's uh, up on the screens, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's right in uh, your Bible if you're looking in there. So we're going to start in verse 7. It says, if there's anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites. So right here, you can go like, well, this doesn't include me. I'm not an Israelite. It's a principle that God's talking about, and God's principles are pretty timeless. So he's talking to his people. I, I consider myself as part of his people. He says, if there's anybody among you who is poor in any of the towns in the land your Lord God has given to you, he says this, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Those are good illustrative words. He goes, don't let your heart become hard. And don't let your fists become so tight. It's really easy to sit there and go like, well, here's all the reasons they're poor. And if they would just do this and this and this, then maybe they wouldn't be poor because I'm not poor. 
He says, don't let your heart become hard. Don't let your fists become tight. You don't know their story. And you don't know their reason. I've blessed you to be a blessing. So the first point is, deal with a selfish heart. I'll tell you, the more generous you are, the more you have an opportunity to root out selfishness. Because I'll tell you, at least in my life, selfishness wants to win all the time. It wants it always to be about me, and it wants it always to be for my best and for bettering me. The more I have, the better for me. It's all about me. So if I'm thinking about somebody else, oh, what's that going to mean for me? That's the first thing you think about. Like, if I did this for them, how will it affect me? Selfishness is so quick to, like, put the mirror right back so you can look right back at yourself. It's all about us. God wants us to deal with the selfish heart. He says, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts near so that you don't show ill will toward the needy and among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Then they may appeal to the Lord against you and you'll be found guilty of sin. He said it would be sin to be hard-hearted and to be tight-fisted. He says the way that you treat others is obedience to God. Because he's saying, I'm telling you to do this. And if you choose not to live this way, you're sinning. I didn't say that. I'm just reading it, right? He says, if I live selfishly, I'm sinning. Today, what we're talking about is it's all about our heart. He doesn't want it filled with selfishness, and he doesn't want it to be hard. Because his heart was not selfish when he said, I'll give my life that you could be free from sin. That I could live, you could live a blessed life. I'm going to give everything that I have. He wasn't tight-fisted with what he had. God gave generously. Giving more than any other thing works selfishness and greed out of our lives. Verse 10, this one's good. It's dealing with a grieving heart, a grumbling, a grudging, a stingy heart. One that struggles with FOMO. Anybody heard of FOMO? FOMO is fear of missing out. If I give something to them, then I'm going to miss out, or my kids are going to miss out, or our thing is going to miss out. I'm so worried, and I'm so afraid that God will stop blessing me because I helped them. That's the opposite of what is true. That's actually a lie. He says, if you withhold from blessing others, he goes, I'll withhold from blessing you. We get it twisted. The fear and the lie inside of us says, if, if I do this for them, then I won't have for me. He goes, if you don't do for them, you won't have for you. He goes, I want you to live that way, where it's others-minded, not self-minded. In Deuteronomy 15.10, it says, you shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord God will bless you in all your work and in all to which you put your hand. He says, whatever you're doing, don't do it and be sad about it. He said, you should be excited about it because God is going to bless you in everything that you do. I'm going to tell you that I've not lived a perfect life. But I can tell you that since I was a young boy, that I've given him my life. That I've said, my life is yours. And I've literally been on a journey since then of 
different states, states I didn't grow up in. My parents just moved here, um, but I haven't lived next to my parents since I was 18, since I just graduated from high school, because I've just said, wherever you go, send me, I'll go. I can tell you that I'm much more blessed than I should be. That wherever I go and whatever I do, God's favor goes before me. It's like that for all his kids who choose to live a blessed life. I get more promotions and more opportunities at work and other places than I have earned and deserved. But I'm his kid. And he is fighting for me. That story of Joseph, my name's technically Joel, um, but my mom and dad never called me that. They called me Joey, so I just dropped the L. When I got big enough in school, I was like, Joel is not cool. Neither is Joey, so... But when I read the story of Joseph, wherever he went, God's favor went with him. Whether he was in prison, they gave him the keys. Whatever was going on in his life, God had a good plan for him, and he kept setting him up because Joseph kept this position and said, God, my life is yours, and I trust in your plan for me. And what I have, I'm willing to give. I can tell you that there is no better life than living a blessed life where you know that God is going for you and before you, where he loves you deeply and he has favor upon you, where he continues to bless you. I can tell you that it's, it's, I'm partially a recipient of that because of what happened from my parents, that they taught me and encouraged me and showed me how to live a blessed life. And I can tell you it's happening to my family. When you choose to live a blessed life, it, it goes for generations. The choices that we make are generational my family and the kids and their kids and kids. I can tell you my wife lives the same way in the sense that God blesses her. She, we were ready to have our, uh, our third child here in Utah and she was working and she was like, I don't know that I can come back to work, that we can afford childcare. And they go, well, what would childcare cost? We'll pay for it. Whose work does that? Who says just, we're gonna double your salary so that we can cover your childcare because we want you here so much. Stuff like that, that's just like, that's not supposed to happen. Those things happen to us all the time. Not every day. But we also have those moments where Joseph is like, ah, oh, I'm in prison. And then you have to go back to go, wait, I'm blessed. I'm favored by God. He loves me. And instead of getting in the attitude where I'm just focused on me and what I don't have or why it's not going the right way, I go, I'm choosing to trust that God's in control. And you just wait and watch and go, this is going to be good. Because it's pretty terrible, so it's going to have to turn out really great because he's in charge. Because it's not my life, it's his to do with what he would. So if you can deal with a grumbling, grudging, stingy, grieving heart, your life can be transformed. In verse 14, we're, we're challenged to live a generous life says, and you should supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press. For what the Lord God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Sometimes we really miss this. I want everybody to hear this. What God has blessed you with is not just for you. God will bless you with more than what you need so that you can be a blessing to others. And if you're like, if I bless them, I won't have enough for me. He goes, just wait. I'll show up. I'll bring more. I have a friend who's a, a pastor, a leader, 
of a whole people group. Um, they live in the islands of Micronesia, um, in the state of Chuuk. They deal with impoverished, impoverished people. His struggle with leading and loving people literally comes down to if they'll have food that day. Because they're giving everything they have away and they're blessing other people and they're serving other people. So much so he was like, Joe, I just talked with him last week and we were catching up and he was like, we didn't know when we would eat again. He's like, and then we were out serving some people and we came back and he's, he's in his late 60s. And his wife, they're living a life of generosity and serving others. It's never about them. They come back to their house and there's a mound. Say mound, like it's a huge mound. People have brought and dropped off breadfruit and coconuts. They live in the islands. All these types of things. And it was like, oh my goodness. So they're like, well, maybe this is not a normal thing. So they're, they didn't eat it that night. They're like, somebody must have like brought these as like maybe they were trying to um, make a dowry for one of our nieces or something. So it's not ours to... The next day, somebody said, hey, pastor, I'm sorry I didn't leave a note, but we, we brought all that food for you because we wanted to bless you because you're blessing us. And he was like, oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. I thought it was maybe something else. And he goes, I had this thought inside. He goes, some meat would be good. He goes, I didn't say that to them. He goes, because look how much we were blessed. Isn't that like the Israelites too, though? Like God's raining things from heaven on them, putting a mound in front of their door of food, and they're like, a little bit of meat would be good. We're like that. God blesses um, richly, and we're like, could you bless me like that, though? Paul said in five minutes, somebody knocked on his door. It was actually the neighbor who happens to be a senator there. And he knocked on the door. He goes, hey, we have a whole half of a tuna, like, their tunas are like this. We have, we have a bunch of tuna. We didn't want it to go to waste. We wanted to bless your family. I was like, man, you should have asked for more. You should have said, what about meat and what about this and that? Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. But God asks us to live generously. And when we live generously, watch how God is generous with us. It is not just about what we give out of our hands like, like our stuff, though. It's about the way we, re we react with others, the way we care about others, the way that we love others, the way we choose to forgive them when they wrong us. Sometimes they're just wrong, and they're mean, and they're cruel. But Jesus was like on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I was like, they look like they know what they're doing. But he's like, they don't know what they're doing. Because if they knew, if they knew they were crucifying the Son of God, if they knew, they wouldn't do it. If they knew that the one that was promised for all those years was finally there, and that the church had it wrong. Can you say that? Sometimes the church is wrong. The church was wrong. They said, we don't like this guy the way he's doing it. We want it different. So we're done with him. And they got the Romans to do their dirty work. One of the ways that we can allow God to work on our heart is to develop a grateful heart. 
People who are able to be generous are grateful. Verse 15 in Deuteronomy 15, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command this thing today. He says, I want you to be generous because look how generous I was to you. You guys were slaves and I bought you back. I rescued you. Now, would you turn your eye away from this person in need? He says, come on, be generous, be grateful. I'm going to go back to the first one. I struggle with gratefulness when I'm being stuck in selfishness. If I could take one of those and just knock it out of the park for everybody to help them, if you can kill selfishness, greed, the things that go with that, you'll be able to be grateful. Grateful people are generous and kind and caring and others-minded. So whether it's considering, God, help me to be more grateful, help me to be more generous, God, help me avoid a grieving heart, one that does things reluctantly or stingy or, and God, help me to root out selfishness in my life. Help me to just destroy it because I know it wants to kill and crush your blessings in my life. Selfishness literally wants to steal what God wants to do in my life. He says, look, you do this because this is what I'm doing in your life. And if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. You are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. This is how we do life. And if you want to do life a different way, you will find that it's not blessed. Because my kids do this and I bless them. Obedience and blessing are connected. If you think you can live a disobedient life and be blessed by God, you're wrong. You cannot go your own way and then expect that God will follow you and keep fixing all your messes and making everything right for you. You have to choose to connect your life to his. And say, God, my everything, my all is yours. I trust that you can do a better job than I can do on my own. You're a better driver. You're better with directions than me. I'm the worst. Siri has really saved me, but really it's my wife first. I would drive out of the supermarket parking lot and go the wrong direction almost every time. They're like, haven't you been here 10 times, Joe? I was like, but you were always there telling me, take a right, take a right. God knows my weaknesses, and he blessed me with somebody who has this internal gyroscope that goes south. We need to head south. If you ever give me directions, go, we're just on the east side of this. If you just go north five blocks, I'm already lost. I have no idea where north and south are. Five blocks, that feels like five miles. Because God helps us in our needs. If you think that you're better at directing your life and that it will end up in a better place than by following him, I don't know very much, but I know that that's not what the Bible says. And if you're willing to surrender your life and say, God, help me to be grateful, help me to be generous, help me to stomp out selfishness and, and then a, a greedy, stingy heart. God, I don't want to live that way. He started off in that same conversation with Abram. He says, you are blessed to be a blessing. God's purpose is not just to bless me so that it goes, look, if you're one of God's kids, you'll just be so richly blessed. 
He goes, I'm blessing you so that you will love others. I'm loving you so you'll love others. That is my purpose. My purpose is to reflect God by how I love others. And that works out in a lot of different ways. We're not talking just about giving dollars today. We're talking about how we give our lives to others. God has some crazy math too. He says, sometimes you're going to reap 30, 60, 100 fold, which means if you put in 10 plants, sometimes you're going to get times 100. I don't know how he does those things, but God has the capacity to multiply our efforts when we're trusting in him and following him. I really am going to get to a close here in just a second. Maybe you're sitting there today and go, why does the church talk about money so much? Why does the church talk about giving? Is it because they want my money? It's because God desperately wants your heart. I have seen instances where preachers lean way too heavily on the dollar stuff. And I try not to judge because I don't really know their hearts and their motives and the people that they're working with. That's not my place. My place is to tell you, I don't need your wallets and I don't need your money. I don't even get money from the church. I've never got money from the church, but that's by choice. I choose to work outside so we can bring on more people that will bless them and their life and our ministries and our churches. I've worked at a church full-time before. That's fine. None, nobody gets rich working at the church. But, but I choose to give generously because that's what God's called me to do, not because of what I get out of it or not because of the effects of those things. It's like, he says, this is what I'm commanding you to do, God. It's that to live a life that's focused that way. The church is not, not struggling on finances and asking you for your finances because they can't pay their bills because they're not doing a good job. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with your heart and stomping out selfishness and greed and the things that want to crush God's blessing in your life. I can tell you the more that I've learned to be generous and grateful, the more I found God's blessings in my life. And if we can't talk in a safe place about living a blessed life and being generous, and even when we talk about finances, if we can't talk about it here, where can we talk about that? The people of God have to be able to talk about the things of God in a safe place. None of our, our staff, none of our pastors, only like one of our accountants even knows who gives at our church. We do that by choice because we just choose to love everybody regardless if there's dollars that comes with that or not. We realize that everybody's in a process of follow, believe, and obey. Not everybody's to the point where they're going, I'm doing the things that God's asking me to do. Some people are like, I'm just working on checking him out. I'm just following or they're like, I believe in him, and uh, we haven't had the conversation on, on obeying on some things yet. Don't worry, he will. Because he loves you enough that he'll go through all that stuff with you at the right time. When we're kind to others, we're going to reap kindness. When we're forgiving of others, we'll reap forgiveness. When you're friendly towards others, you'll reap friendliness. There's a great verse in Proverbs 18, 24. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. You have people go like, I just don't have enough friends. Like, where well, are you friendly to other people? 
Are you sowing friendliness? Because if you're not, that's why you don't have friends. Because people don't like to be friends with people who aren't friendly. That's just how it works. Are you putting yourself out there or are you just going like, I hope I'm like a magnet. People will just come to me. That's not how it always works. It's pretty simple. You're going to always grow what you sow. What we put out there, we're bound to get back somehow, whether that's kindness or generosity, forgiveness, or if it's stinginess or distrust or bitterness. You get to choose what's going to grow in your life. I love choices because I get to choose them. And then I get the results of those good choices. I get the results of my good choices because my father is good and he's faithful. I'd love for you to think about this week. Ask God to show you an area of your life where he's asking you to give. It may have nothing to do with your finances. That's not the point of our message today. Is it forgiveness? Is it mercy? Is it friendship? Is he asking you to give more in your marriage? Is he asking you to to consider things in your finances that you've not been doing before or that he wants you to do again? I'd love for you to take this week and talk to God and then choose to follow the things that he says. I trust God's leading in every person's life. If you have a cell phone, I'd love for you to um, pull up a YouTube. YouTube is an app where you can find all kinds of stuff. I'd love for you to listen to something on your way home today. It's about 12 minutes. It's, uh, if you put in the search thing, the blessing, there's some worship leaders It'll, it'll then bring up a choice that'll say uh, the blessing by Carrie Job, Cody Carnes, and Elevation. It's a 12-minute, it's um, them singing at church together, a song that they literally just wrote last week about how God desires to bless us, our kids, for generations, that God desires to love us. It's all straight out of the Bible. So like, what is this crazy song? It's the Bible in song. I listened to it first last night. I was like, how do I clear out 12 minutes of the message? I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too excited about the things God wants to talk about. But if I could just take 12 minutes, I would just put it up on a huge screen and play. But would you take it and think about it this week and then say, God, this is your heart for me. Because sometimes we don't, we're not generous towards others because we don't feel like he's blessed us yet. Well, when I have more, then I'll bless others more not actually the way that it works he already says he's blessed us in so many ways and he gives us forgiveness and all these things and then he goes now be a blessing to others and as we continue to do that he continues to richly bless us and so maybe if you go like i don't see his blessing in my life maybe you should start with just blessing others and believe and expect that god will show up in your life in a strong way I can tell you for my life, it's been the best thing I've ever done. To give him my life and choose to live a a generous and grateful life where he's in charge and I choose to listen and trust him as best I can. It's not perfect. 
I find that I'm a blessed son who's favored in ways that I don't deserve. But he paid for it all. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your amazing, unending love that blesses us richly to be a blessing to others. God, would you work on our hearts, work on my heart, God. Selfishness is always trying to grab first place. It is always trying to take the focus because it wants to be the center of my life. Me, me, me. And that's not what you say. You say, I have redeemed you. I have bought you back. I have ransomed you. I have rescued you. So do what I'm commanding you to do. To live generously and and give to those in need. To think about others in such a way. God, would you help us to give forgiveness and give graciousness and give mercy and kindness and love to others that you would press it down, pouring over into our lives so that we can't even hold on to it. Because we're obeying you, not because we deserve all those things, but you want to bless us richly so that we can bless others. This is how the kingdom of God works. This is how we reach the world. This is how we reach Syracuse that we would take you at your word and say, I will live a blessed life and I will bless others because I know and I trust that you'll bless me. God, help me to hear your voice this week, to recognize that I'm blessed even if I don't feel it and choose to obey you, whatever that means. Help us all. Thank you for your amazing love. In Jesus' name, amen.